Oh, God. Let's press the button and see what happens. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Well, would you believe it? The signboard has worked for the second time in a week. But I fear it's come at a cost, all of this luck, because we were supposed to have a guest today who hasn't turned up yet, but we're hoping that he's going to turn up in the second hour. Oh, blimey. What a week. Well, for me, Simon, I've been doing a bit of eBaying, and this is when I've discovered that there are no decent eBay apps out there for the Mac. None. None at all. Even the mighty iSell 5 appears to have gone to the wind. So I'm having to do it via the eBay website, which uh, it's not too bad. But I sort of like something that I know uh, will do things like backups and not crash and not flake out on me. And I don't have to worry about it and I can take my time editing it. And that was a good thing about iSell 5 is that I could do my marketing of like selling them at a certain time rather than having to do it on the weekend. But hey ho, first world problems. How are you doing this week, Simon? What's going on in your world technology wise? You, I, there's been a new addition to your work family, hasn't it? Uh, there has indeed. I have uh, finally had my chit signed and a 27 inch 5K iMac arrived in my studio. And after a half a day of jiggery pokery, is now up and running on my desk. Did you have to use any of those tools like, um, oh, what's it called? The Apple transfer doodah or whatever? Or did you just go, no, I'm going to make the break and start from scratch? Uh, we did consider about it, the migration assistant. But in the end, being a work machine and being uh, completely new, we opted to build from scratch uh, and transported basically nothing. Uh, it's getting easier, though. It's getting easier than it used to be because so much stuff now actually is tied to your iCloud account that an awful lot of things that would have been a, a desperate pain in the past are now uh, brought across by your iCloud account. So your keychain and, and all those things, you get back simply by signing back into your iCloud account. Um, I reinstalled all the Adobe apps. I had a little bit of shenanigans getting the, uh, you know, my settings across from my previous machine. But of course I had a clone of my previous machine and uh, I attached that. And then I could dig about in the clone for folders of settings and so on oh for god's sake <laughs> there's some timing i guess i'll be dropping a marker there then well that's just typical we've been chattering inane nonsense for about 40 minutes before we went live and then your phone call rings and then just as i was do about to do another edit we have mike bombic from carbon copy cloner on the line with us now how are you doing this afternoon slash this morning mike hey there i'm doing really well yeah, so you said you got a block party going on this afternoon. Is that like one of the things you do at Super Bowls where you all like pitch up with a truck and just have barbecues on the back of a UV or something? Basically, it's like that. Yeah, it's an Oktoberfest, and uh, it's just a bunch of us neighbors getting together. I've got a, a station at the uh, the barbecue here, and everybody brings a dish, and we put the, the baseball game up on the big screen and have a good time. Now, so you're going to be. So, are you going to be drinking German lager, or are you going to be drinking Budweiser or whatever Americans drink over there? Uh, I will not be drinking any Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm a big fan of a of a of a good bitter pale ale. Uh, my brother-in-law, who's our web guy, he's into the uh, the German Weiss beers. So uh, we'll have a good spread down there. I'm sure lots of people bring all sorts of different kinds of beers. A man very much after my own heart. And will he be drinking from a mass or a stein? Oh, don't go there. <laughs> no, this needs Probably. to be a, 
Probably just a bottle. No steins down here. <laughs> oh, they're not oh. Dodge that question, Mike. Dodge that question. <laughs> Pretend you don't understand what he means. Yeah, thanks very much for coming to joining us. So I've got a few questions for us. And, well, it's fair to say CCC is one of... Well, it's been around forever. But for those people who aren't quite sure what it is and what it's for, give us the sale for what Carbon Copy Cloner is and does. Sure. I mean, at at its core, it's a backup application. Um, But unlike the Time Machine backup, which is included in the Mac for free, uh, this backup solution allows you to immediately boot from the backup and get back to work. So the nice thing about that is you never know when your hard drive is going to fail. And if you're, you know, if you use your Mac for work, if you depend on it, if you have to have it up and running all the time and your hard drive dies at the most inopportune time, you attach your backup disk, you hold on the option key and boot from the backup and you can immediately get back to work. And then whenever, you know, you have a convenient time, you can replace that failed hard drive and then restore from the backup. So instead of having to run out to the store and, you know, be frazzled and replace your disk and, you know, spend hours and hours restoring from a backup, you just immediately get back to work. So that's the the nice thing about a bootable backup. So if, for example, then my Mac dies, which I've had lightning strike a couple of years ago and it's starting to get a bit creaky and I've, I've got a backup, could I slam that backup onto a USB key, as an example, if it was big enough, and then just go and plug it into any other Mac of a similar sort of age or spec? Well, USB keys are notoriously slow. We certainly don't recommend that. Of course, um, of course. Generally, yes. Now, it, it, it won't necessarily boot every other Mac out there, especially not newer Macs. Apple's really strict about uh, any new Mac won't boot an operating system from an older Mac. Uh, but even in those cases, you could use Migration Assistant to migrate your data from the backup. Uh, but typically, if you take um, any you know year-old Mac, it'll boot that Mac right up as well. Fantastic. It's it's one of those bits of software that I've always been looking at. And I know that after this conversation, if I don't grab a backup shortly, it'll happen to me because it always happens. You start looking at backup software and you go, oh, yeah, I'll get around to it and uh, we'll I'll do it later. Um, so, again, just I've just got a few questions. Here, so I'm sure Simon will chip in. Um, I should have started off with this one, really. So what is your oldest bit of Apple tech that you that you use today on a sort of semi-regular basis? Um, I would have to say that it's my my test mini. It's a 2011 Mac mini. Um, I'm you know, I'm not real nostalgic with Apple hardware. I had my first Mac was a, a Bondi Blue iMac. Uh, no, actually, that's not true. My first Mac was a Performa 636 CD. But, uh, you know, I don't keep the old stuff around. Um, I think the oldest piece of Apple hardware I have is uh, like a third gen iPod. <laughs> um, but other than that, I've got, you know, I've got a MacBook Pro. Uh, I've got a few Mac minis, uh, an iMac and a couple Mac Airs. So I guess I got a, got a few MacBook Pros. But, uh, yeah, my oldest is probably 2011. Once it stops working, it's out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Going through my box of junk from Moving House, I've discovered my first iPod, the actual click wheelie one. And then I think I've got an iPod. It's one of the first ones with the touchscreen. So I'm going to go and power them up and then maybe shift them on eBay see if there's any uh there's any value and surely it's got to be a collector's item to somewhere or even someone might use it in a hipstery sort of style way yeah well um, you do know that uh original ipods are considered quite collectible and there is a a school of hackers who like to break them open take out the hard drives put in a modern uh you know ssd and thus have a very large capacity retro iPod. So my and okay. and I've actually got the box for it as well. So that's got to be worth a little bit of money now. Right, I know what I'm doing after this show. Uh, anyway, Mike, let's about us more about you. So, what got you into coding? Then, what was the catalyst between b- being a user and going into actually creating stuff? Yeah. So. 
it probably comes as a surprise. I actually started out as a biologist. Um, when I was in graduate school, I was doing a research project on the round goby and zebra mussels. And I was doing that up in Lake Erie. And I had probably 9,000 zebra mussels that I needed to measure. And after about a dozen of these, I realized that this was just a ridiculous task. So I devised this method where I would take a, a picture of them. And this is like 20 years ago. So digital photography was, was brand new. And uh, I brought the picture into Illustrator and drew lines on it. And you know, I had a little ruler in it. And uh, then I automated the process of pulling out all of these measurements and dumping it into Excel and uh, running it through the statistical analysis. So I got started by just wanting to automate some really tedious tasks. And as I started doing that uh, and finally got through all of my research, I realized that what I really enjoyed was creating. And I found this medium of technology uh, to be really easy for me to create in. So I just started at first just creating little uh, simple scripts that automated uh, tasks in, let's say, the computer lab. And then after grad school, I got into uh, a tech support job at the university. And uh, it, Carbon Copy Cloner was actually born out of some of the work that I did there. Um, one of the things that we needed to do in these computer labs was to deploy the operating system to a whole bunch of different Macs. So Mac OS X came out in, I think, right around 2000, 2001. And that's when I was just getting started with my development work. And uh, I saw a need for deploying Mac OS X into the labs. And I mean, you remember, you remember what it was like way back then when Apple was the beleaguered company. And uh, it was a really tough sell in education. So I realized that if we were going to be successful deploying uh, Mac OS X, we had to have a solution for that. So I wrote it. And at the time, People didn't even believe that you could clone a Unix operating system from one computer to another. Uh, but I came up with the solution. Uh, I figured out how it worked. And then I just kind of put all the pieces together to automate it. And uh, then at one point, I realized, gee whiz, maybe, uh, maybe people would like this just for backing up. So that's when I created Carbon Copy Cloner uh, back in 2002, January 18, 2002. So, Fifteen and a half years ago. That's um, that's some time. In what was it? Just for the pure nerdy point in me, what was it you were first programming in on your first sort of iteration of Carbon Copy Cloner? It was actually Apple Script Studio. Um, there was a little bit of C code in it, um, but it was mostly that you couldn't really, as a graduate student, you, the, the um, C plus plus and, and all of those programming languages were. Uh, not very approachable. So for the the automation stuff, I really was into Apple Script, and uh, Apple had just come out in Mac OS 10.2 with this Apple Script Studio. So I built a lot of it on that. Um, but it was not too long after that that I started dabbling in Objective C, and uh, then completely rewrote it in uh, in Objective C. Uh -huh. But yeah, you know, if anybody out there is looking into um, getting into development. Actually, I don't know that AppleScript is really the, uh, the, the place I would start nowadays. Um, it seems like that's kind of not really in favor at Apple. I guess um, if you were going to start now, you'd Swift is probably the place to start yeah, these days. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But AppleScript, I know, I mean, AppleScript is still there. And I know there are a lot of people who are still, you know, really very attached to it. But mm -hmm. I think it is slowly becoming. Uh, less important and that swift is I, i'm pretty sure that swift is designed to cover apple script and simple well i say simple you know what i mean the, the more uh, basic approachable and, yeah. and 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 approachable that's that's probably a very good word for it actually might be the more approachable end of of coding mm -hmm. especially for you know for the school kids with the with the swift playgrounds and whatnot yeah. And I think Apple would be very much say that if you were, uh, if you're a beginner, you know, take take a look at Swift and work from there. 
Have you, have you done much work with Swift at all? Have you sort of dabbled um, with it, or is it still a little bit too immature for you at the moment? Um, I honestly, I just don't see a really big motivation for me specifically to get into Swift. I'm really comfortable in Objective C, and unless Apple makes some sort of move to deprecate Objective C, um, I'm I'm perfectly happy in Objective C. So there's no, for you, there's no real sort of advantage or jump until, until you sort of have to. It's, it's the old adage of if it isn't broke, then don't try and break it unless you're a developer and then you just try and break it anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it is also that I, you know, this is my full-time job and I dabble every once in a while on things like Python and home automation and things like that. That's my hobby type stuff. But for my work stuff, um, I mean, I'm slammed 12 hours a day. So learning something new to, that I could apply in, uh, in my day job is, it's a little harder to justify. So you did touch on the fact that when you were programming this and make it, you, uh, you thought it, there might be a market for it. Now you did start off as donationware. Was there a reason why you didn't go commercial straight away? And what was the, what was the move to go to make it towards a commercial product? Yeah, that's funny. You know, I never really felt like I wanted to make money off of it at first. I just wanted the solution to be out there uh, for people to be able to use. And uh, it was actually my wife that really prodded me because it was consuming a lot of my time and it was some time taken away from her sometimes. So she said, you know, why don't we at least put up a, a link where people can donate if they want to. And a lot of people were demanding that. So we did that for a while. And, you know, it was kind of a thing on the side for a long time. I worked for Apple for eight years and uh, that certainly consumed a lot of my time. And I never really felt like if I wasn't doing this full time, it, it felt hard to justify making it a commercial product. That and having a commercial product on the side at Apple is a pretty much a career limiting move. So that was the, the one of the big reasons. But, you know, eventually I... I left Apple and I really wanted to pour my, all of my energy into carbon copy cloner because I knew it was a great solution and it could be even better. And it was right around the time that Lion came out that uh, I found myself just completely overwhelmed with support because I had a huge following and I was getting so many questions and support requests that it was, it was getting really difficult to spend time doing development work. So at that point, I had to make a decision. Um, I can either, you know, shut it all down and walk away because it's just way too stressful. Uh, or I can invest in the product and, and build a company behind it. And that's what I decided to do. So we put together a team. Uh, now we've got six people. I've got uh, other people to help with full-time support, uh, web development. I've got another developer. I've got two people that handle sales stuff specifically. I've got somebody else that runs the company, uh, you know, that makes sure that payroll runs and that we have a 401k plan and healthcare and all that other stuff. I mean, it's, there's so much stuff that, I mean, it's just impossible for one person to do all of this and to do it well. Um, so, you know, I, we really had to go to commercial it, to, to do it well, you have to have a team and that's, you know, if you want good software you got to pay for it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, th this thing. So what question for you then is, how come you haven't gone down the subscription model? Would, would that work with a sort of at-home service? Or did you make the decision early on that it's going to be a one-off cost? I don't like the subscription model. Um, that's probably the number one reason. And, and all of the people that are working here, we, we, we just don't like that. We like the idea that when you purchase a license for software and you know, it's not nothing, it's 40 bucks. It's not breaking the, the mortgage or anything, but you know, you, you spend 40 bucks on software. I'd like to be able to use it for as long as, as I can. Um, I don't want to have there be a, a specific end date where I can no longer use it. Um, so that's, you know, part of what goes into our decision. Um, on the other hand, we do charge for upgrades. And that's because we're all working here full time, five, six days a week sometimes. And, uh, you know, when we come out with major new versions, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And I think you can really see that in version five 
uh, especially with the new APFS functionality, which we're going to continue adding into version five. Um, it's it's a lot of a lot of effort. So there's there's a lot of new stuff, and you could certainly continue using older versions for as long as you like. And that's something that I tried very hard with this version four to five um, migration. If people want to continue using version four, uh, they can, and they can continue using it on High Sierra, and they can continue using it on the next OS until it breaks. Um, and that's that's our philosophy: is that you should be able to use it as long as you like. I would just say here that uh, I've relied on Carbon Copy Cloner for many years, uh, and it's always been a really, really solid product. I think I started using it about version two. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I've I've used it for a long, long time. I used it at home as a just a basic backup, and very rapidly convinced my uh, my bosses that we should invest in a license to use it because I use it to keep a. I think I can't remember now if I do it weekly or daily, but I keep a live bootable backup clone of my work machine mm-hmm. with CCC running the, you know, on the, on the schedule because like you, Mike, you know, I work on my machine you know, eight, nine hours a day and sometimes under a lot of pressure in the commercial print world. And, mm-hmm we cannot afford to have a machine suddenly go down. Um, And more than once that backup has gotten me out of sticky water where you come in one morning, you press the button and you get the very gut churning, flashing question mark. Yeah. And my boss is, you know, Oh no, what are we going to do? We've got billions applicable number of jobs to get done by 4 PM. And it's right. Don't panic. I'll, you know, I'll reboot holding alt, swap, swap to my carbon copy cloner back up uh, and I'll be running in, you know, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And well, that's, <laughs> that's worth his weight in gold, isn't it? You know, yeah, it is yeah. to me anyway. And it's- to my boss, it is something that we, you hope you don't have to use. But when you do, well, like car insurance, nobody wants to have a car smash. But when you do, you know, the insurer is there to get you out of the. And for $40, that isn't bad at all, really, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I I, I think Mike's uh, charging has always been very fair. And you have to remember that. These new versions that Mike puts out, Mike and his crew put out, they always bring improvements and upgrades. But as he's just said, you don't have to, you probably don't have to buy every other, you know, every upgrade. That's not necessary. We're on four and I will have to make a case to my boss to fork out for version five. But the other thing is, Mike charges. It's not like he's bringing out upgrades every six months. I, I can't remember when. When did you go from three to four, Mike? That's got to be a good. That was three two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Was, yeah, three years ago, October twenty fourteen. Yeah. See, so <laughs> what are we talking here? Twelve dollars a year or something? It's it's well, it's, it's actually fifty percent upgrade. So yeah, yeah. Pe- it's peanuts. Yeah, really for for the for the peace of mind that it brings you, I can assure you it is worth every penny. So have you been affected at all then when Apple said that they were going to allow backups to iCloud and all that sort of stuff? Did that affect you at all when Apple suddenly said, right, well, straight from the system, we're going to back up your files? Um, no. I mean, every every year since 2012, year over year, we've had increased sales. So, um, you know, we just keep plugging away and, Word of mouth spreads, you know, the, the benefit of the bootable backup and, and people keep going for it. And the thing is, there is no one backup solution that is that, that completely covers you 100%. Each one brings a little something to the table. And 
cloud backup, I think I, I see that as like your tertiary backup because it's extremely slow, not only for the initial backup, but also for restoring. It could take weeks. Um, but that, you know, you're thinking about the people um, affected by the hurricane. That is the one big thing that could actually, you know, wipe out your, you know, your laptop and your backup. And, you know, even if you had the backup kept at work, maybe that one too. So cloud backup certainly helps for that unlikely scenario um, that seems more likely nowadays. Um, but then, you know, the Google backup is, is really nice to have when you're under pressure and you need to get back to work quickly. Um, but then something like Time Machine. A lot of people use Time Machine too. Uh, if there's a version of a file that, uh, you know, five versions ago that you need to get back to, uh, Time Machine makes that very simple and straightforward. Yep. I, so. I also use Time Machine and I, I, I'm a very big advocate of backups. And I, I tell my mug over and over again, not only should you back up, back up, back up, but don't rely on one type of backup. Time Machine is brilliant. It can get you out of all sorts of trouble, but it's not bootable, and it's very difficult to go and dig inside. Carbon Copy Cloner will give you a bootable image drive, which you can explore in exactly the same way as you navigate your Mac, and you can boot from it and get yourself out of a hole. And as you say, a cloud backup or some other kind of fallback can get you out of trouble if, you know, heavens forfend, the worst scenario happens and the whole thing goes into a kind of dreadful cascade failure. You just, you cannot have enough backups. Anybody who's worked with computers for any amount of time knows there are only two sorts of people. (laughs) <laughs> those who've had data loss and those who have yet to experience data loss. Uh, I've had That's both. I, I don't, I haven't got a backup. I'm relying solely on the cloud, which now the more and more I talk about this product, the more I'm starting to get sweaty palms about my lack of uh, <laughs> backup prowess. Um, just to round off on the pricing. Um, what were the considerations about the price point? I mean, how do you, how did you come up with the figures that you came up with? That's if you can tell us that is, of pricing the software so it's fair to the users and obviously the developers and the staff and everyone involved. What what's involved with that? Um, first of all, it wasn't me that came up with the price at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked with some consultants, some people in the Apple Consultants Network. Um, it was actually a guy out of the Florida Keys, and he um, he just sent an email out to a whole bunch of other consultants and, and just asked them, what pricing do you think uh, would be supported? Which And you, you got to understand, this is before I really built a business, so I had, like, no business acumen. Um, I Nowadays, I guess there's probably companies that you could go to that would help you with that sort of thing. But this guy did it perfect. Uh, he basically just asked a bunch of people who – are in that sort of business and they all came back uh, with a range from like 30 bucks to 70 bucks or 80 bucks. And uh, the guy said that, you know, the, the most support was at 40 and the second most support was at 70. And I agreed with 40 and looked at some of the competition out there and decided that uh, 40 was the right price. And it's not just, 40 bucks per seat either. Um, Our license, we decided that we would try and match the Mac App Store licensing model where uh, it's a household license, basically. And that really simplifies a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, you buy one license and whether or not it's a household license, they want to use it on all the Macs in their house. And that's how I use it personally. So we decided we're going to make things real simple. It's a household license. One license covers every Mac in your house. And you don't really get it much more simpler than simpler than that. No. 
and also, it's, it's also a testament as well because there aren't many other podcasts out there that when they talk about backups, then you are. It's almost like you're up there being a de facto standard. Um, do you feel any pressure to keep the level of software so up, or because you, you've got all this um, all this recognition and you've spoken them so highly, pretty much everywhere? Yeah, pressure. I mean, I rise to it though. You know, it's it's my baby. I've been doing this for 15 years. It's older than my kids, and I pour my heart into it. So it's, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of pressure, um, external pressure, but just for me, it's, it's my baby and I want it to shine. I want it to be a great product. So a lot of the pressure is just coming from me. And I put my hands up and say, as a long time user of CCC, I swear it is a gold standard product. Thank you. I haven't used it, but I'm going to if I can find a spare hard drive. <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. I, was, I actually had one of the perfect storm a few years ago where not only did I lose my main system, but it's only when you go back to the backup and you find out, ah, right, I've got to go through the long, painstaking process of restoring a backup. And then is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Yeah. Okay. So... Oh, well, I know what I'm spending my money on after the show. Um, so <laughs> how comes then with a product so popular as CCC, why no Windows version? Oh, yeah. I actually get that question a lot. I don't like Windows. Fair enough. We could just move on from there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, they can go to hell. <laughs> Windows well, users can all go to hell. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, no, more seriously, uh, there, as I understand it, I'm not a developer, but as I understand it, there are a whole load of different, completely different challenges in making a bootable clone of Windows. Yeah. Uh, there are some products out there that will do it. I know uh, one that I've used in the past is HDD Cloner, I believe, which is a sort of carbon copy cloner type thing for Windows. But as I understand it, you've got to know an awful lot about the guts of windows if you want to get yeah. into that sort of i mean i'm i'm an apple developer and i am really familiar with how os 10 works in fact when i was working for apple uh, i developed another application called network store that was used to mass deploy hundreds thousands of macs across the network and i basically went on sabbatical and just dove into the Mac OS 10 startup process and really picked it apart. And I found out some really neat stuff about how it works and how you can, um, you know, boot from an NFS server and how Apple built uh, bootable DVDs. Um, it was really quite fascinating in a very nerdy kind of way. But, you know, none of is as much as I am a professional in mastering the OS 10 boot process. Um, I don't know more than the average 12 year old for how windows boots and functions. I, I could probably make my way around it. Um, but it would take years. It would take other staff really to, uh, to master that, that boot process. And then, you know, be familiar with developing windows software. So it's just, yeah. it would be neat to have a, a partner product that, that worked on windows, but that's just not going to be the right right fit for our company. No. Besides which, even if you did it, I'd say, even if you did it, you'd then be going up against, you know, the respected, the, the respected names in, in that field. Right. Or windows. Um, well, the only one I can really sort of is think a of is a crack, isn't it? I mean, Clonezilla is the only one that I can really think of, but it's a disc clone as good as a backup. I suppose it is, but well, a disc, a disc clone is a backup. That's it. Well, the whole thing with carbon copy cloner is you can you can make just one backup if you want, and and take that drive and put it in the drawer, and that's your, you know, a backup of say your clean, fresh installed High Sierra. And, and you can go back to that at any point, or you can be like me, where I have a regularly scheduled, uh, 
clone which constantly updates so that my backup is at the worst maybe 48 hours behind my mac on my desk um that you know that is for me why carbon copy cloner is the tool the tool as we're on the subject of file systems, you've made it all compatible with High Sierra. So High Sierra's got this new file system. What's been some of the challenges? And feel free to go as nerdy as you like and completely <laughs> over my head as you like to to be able to um, back up High Sierra file systems. Sure. Yeah, we got our first peak at APFS in Sierra. And the one big main piece that was missing that we didn't get access to in Sierra was the bootability aspect to it. Um, I anticipated that there would be a recovery HD volume of some sort that bootstrapped the startup process. Um, But until we got a peek at it just back in June, uh, we really didn't know exactly how it would work. Um, So we certainly played played around with APFS uh, quite a bit over the last you know, since June 2016. Um, but it was it was basically, you know, June 2nd or so that we put our seatbelt on and, and got ready for the, the the hard ride of the summer where we dove in and, and picked it apart and figured out how it worked. Um, fortunately, you know, I've cloned the Recovery HD since Apple introduced it in Lion. And uh, that really prepared me well for not only figuring out how APFS booted, um, but also in um, copying the bits that are required to make APFS bootable. So actually, it was, I think, Monday that Apple issued the, uh, like June 2nd or something, that Apple announced High Sierra, and it was Thursday that I had a functional prototype of the APFS bootable volume. So I think... Probably three weeks after that, uh, we'd put together all of the, uh, the the major building blocks for creating the the APFS preboot volume and the recovery volume, and then we spent the rest of the summer just picking apart all sorts of different scenarios. And what's neat is I can clone an APFS volume to an HFS volume. So, for example, uh, you've got your SSD in your laptop. You upgrade to High Sierra, it automatically updates it or migrates it to APFS. Uh, but your backup disk is probably a spinning hard drive. And whether or not APFS functions um, faster than HFS on a spinning hard drive is kind of still out for debate. Um, so I'm telling people there's no reason to erase your backup disk. I hate the idea of erasing a backup disk because your pants are down for a minute. Um, Stick with HFS. I can back up APFS to HFS, restore that back to APFS. Um, and then we basically just put a chart together and, and I tested every various scenario. Um, HFS to APFS encrypted. Um, HFS to APFS that's not encrypted and then you enable file vault. Um, put the whole chart together and tested every single scenario and uh, all of them work. So... It was a good long summer, some, <laughs> some very early mornings. I'm not a, it's funny, over the summer, I got to be a, uh, a morning person. That was my big change this summer. Um, I've been getting up at five o'clock in the morning with the sunrise and uh, working on APFS. So it was nice, though. You know, I felt like we were as ready as we could be on September 25th when uh, High Sierra was available for everybody. And on the whole, I feel like it's gone pretty well. Um, You know, we found some issues with High Sierra that aren't specific to CCC. Uh, We've got a a K-Base article on that. Um, But on the whole, I would say that the the High Sierra upgrade has has gone pretty well. As far as the bootable backup is concerned, um, I feel like we've been really well prepared for this. And uh, we've got lots of, of good feedback from customers saying that uh, their backups are bootable and that it's fast and seems to be reliable. So knock on wood, things have gone pretty well. 
it sounds like to, to say that you've been thorough would be just a smidgen of an understatement. <laughs> well, you're well, I'm to about to find out. I know. I'm about to find out, Mark, because having set up my nice, shiny new Mac with uh, with an SSD, although it's not running High Sierra yet, uh, I'm going to have to update my clone. Mm-hmm. So Monday morning, I shall be trying. Uh, it's not APFS, as as I say, but I will be making my first SSD to HFS spinning disk mm-hmm. update. Do you get much feedback from, so when you've been working with Apple to go down this APFS um, migration, I suppose is the right word, did you have much to do with Apple, like giving them feedback, and did they sort of listen to you whenever you tried to reach out to them? Um, you know, I don't, I don't typically um, get much feedback from Apple. Usually I submit bug reports and, it kind of feels like you're throwing it over the fence and so <laughs> yeah um i've had a couple issues where you know they they've resolved something over the summer and that's been all good um on the whole though i feel like i didn't have to submit too many bug reports um <laughs> yeah Boy, Mark. well i'll tell you what i think that's uh I think we've quizzed Mike quite enough now. <laughs> How about we take a break for uh, John Nemo's hardware store and uh, come back in a few minutes? Well, before we go to Nemo's hardware store, I think we'll let Mike go because this party sounds like far more entertaining than being on a podcast on a Sunday. So, Mike, if they want to find out about you, where can they find the product? Where can they get in contact with you? What's your social medias and all that sort of stuff? This is the time to shill yourself even more, but a product like yours really doesn't need shilling because it's just awesome. Yeah, carboncopycloner.com. Uh, or just Google Carbon Copy Cloner and you'll find us. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and people are certainly welcome to, to send feedback directly to us. Um, you can find more information about us at our About Us page at bombic.com. Brilliant. Mike, thank you very much for taking time out of your Sunday to come on this show. Uh, and hopefully we will catch up with you again in the not too distant future. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was great. We're going to have a rare unboxing here at Nemo's Hardware Store because something very unusual and very attractive just rolled into our loading dock. Here's the box. It's right in front of me. It says OWC Thunderbolt 3 Dock, USB 3.1, Thunderbolt 3, FireWire 800, SD card, gigabit Ethernet, digital audio, and mini display port. Open up the box, and inside is a slip of paper that shows all the ports on the back. Four USB blue 3.1 ports, and then an SPDIF digital audio port, output only, and then a FireWire 800 port, a gigabit Ethernet port, two Thunderbolt 3 ports, which are also called USB-C a mini display port, and then a DC power. They've got a phone number where you can call, you can chat, you can email. There's special drivers that they tell you how to download, manuals to let you know what is compatible. Then I flip the paper over, and on the front is the picture of a green data light, a blue LED light, an SD card slot, a combo audio port accepts three and a half millimeter microphones and headphones, and a high power USB 3 generation one port to connect USB 3 devices here. Minimum system requirement is a Mac with Thunderbolt 3 and Mac OS 10.12.2 or later. Okay, so let's take the dock out of the wrapping material. Please remove plastic film. Okay, I'll peel that back. Easier said than done. Here's the top film. Oh, this is gorgeous. Gorgeous mirror quality black plastic on the top. 
and a brushed metal that comes in two different colors. You can either get the silver or the space gray. This is a gorgeous space gray. Pulling the bottom plastic off, and I'm holding it. It's firm. It's solid. It's not super heavy. It's got rubber round feet to keep it from slipping around on the desk. This is going to make you want to get a MacBook or a computer Thunderbolt 3 just so that you can use this incredibly beautiful and versatile dock to connect all of your audio devices, your video devices, your FireWire, your Ethernet. Oh, I see. SPDIF is digital audio. I'm certainly familiar with that. I understand. You can use any piece of equipment that you currently own, legacy or modern stuff, with this, including charging up to four of your USB 3 or older devices. One more package. It's got a USB-C Thunderbolt 3 cable. And then that's what I will use to connect to the MacBook in order to begin to have a very expanded port experience from this $300. It's $300 in the U.S., so save up. But it's well worth it because you can use all of your devices. Daisy chain up to six Thunderbolt devices through a single Thunderbolt 3 connection. Two-year OWC limited warranty. Connect and power up to six devices. As far as the display, you can drive a latest 5K display, two Ultra HD 4K displays, or a combination of 4K HD and other displays. So this is a monster powerhouse. Be glad you've got USB-C finally, because it's about time that we have this wonderful product from OWC, Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. I enjoyed uh, having Mike on this week. It's always good to hear um, people talk about something that they've done with a bit of passion as well. So again, Mike, thank you very much. And by the way, if anyone's wondering, in case we're wondering why we're so enthusiastic about CCC, we haven't been paid, we haven't been given any freebies or anything anything like that at all it was just a chance to get someone on uh, to come and talk with passion about what they do and all that sort of stuff and of course a big thank you to nemo for nemo's hardware store which means okay you know all this you can go to amazon click our link you help support the show because without your support uh, this show really is impossible at, at, at the moment hence me shilling everything i own on ebay and of course, a huge thank you to everyone in Patreon land who's going behind the sofa or the couch to go and help keep the show going. Now, we've made some changes. It's finally happened. We were on Squarespace and now we've moved back over to WordPress. And there's been many, 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 many reasons for this. But the change has finally happened. I even think... I've got my 301 permanent redirects done. I'm not entirely sure. I'm expecting the site to drop off the face of the planet anytime shortly because I'm bound to have done something wrong. So as we always say with this podcast, you can go into your little podcast player thing and I try and get the notes and all the links in there or you can head over to EssentialApple.com and it's going to look a little bit different than before. Don't be surprised. This is all hopefully going to be normal and hopefully working, even though Carl Madden managed to find a bug earlier on. Cheers for that, Carl. But if you get any problems, then just drop us a line to at Essential Apple on the Twitter. Um, it should all be all right. It should be. I'm not too sure about our host yet. They're good technical support, but I seem to be getting a few major servery timeouty sort of things. Uh, which does not bode well for trying to do anything heavy duty. But we shall see. We shall see. So if you head over to EssentialApple.com, uh, and if there are any WordPress developers out there who've got a nice theme, get in touch, because finding a WordPress theme is becoming my biggest blinking nightmare. Uh, and I think, Simon, I think that'll uh, do us today. Oh, no, I you've got one more? No, no, oh, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say, if you do go to the site and find that it is not looking quite how you expect it to, uh, we have, for the moment, instituted a very simple, basic theme until we can dig up one we really like. 
That's basically it, isn't it? Um, yeah. Shall we say it's in a, <laughs> so, a kind of under construction mode, but without the nasty yeah. animated under construction GIF? <laughs> Yes. Oh, Jesus, that thing. Who remembers that? <laughs> so, yeah, I think I, I, I don't think we need to cover any Apple stories um, because there was a problem with High Sierra and passwords. That's been fixed. Um, I'm going to do some testing on my iPhone because since iOS 11, my battery on every single device is just going south. I'm lucky if I can get a day out of it. So I'm even having to contemplate buying that Apple humpy thing. But we'll go into that next week. So... Until next week, if they want to get a hold of you, Simon, how can they find you? Uh, they can find me, of course, as at Serenak, that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K, on the Twitter. They can uh, get in touch with us for an invite to join the Slack room. And you can find the show, of course, on the Facebook and on the Google Plus and on the Twitters and, well, pretty much everywhere we can shill ourselves, to be honest. Exactly. And if you want to get a hold of the website, it's at EssentialApple.com. Uh, my old site, EssentialMac.co.uk, is no longer anymore. That was a very, yeah, that was a moment today. So yeah, at Essential Apple on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Google+, and hopefully by next week I might even have the email working, but I'm not going to push my luck as I had the same board working. So until next week, it's, uh, yeah, it's cheerio. It is indeed. Cheerio. Bye. Let me just remind you that, of course, our podcast is just one of many on the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such shows as the MyMac Show with Guy and Gaz, the Tech Fan Podcast with Tim and David, Nintendo Club Podcast, Three Geeky Ladies, Geekiest Show Ever, Bart Shots Let Talk Podcast, and many more. Hello and good evening. This is Gads for the MyMac podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old bean. This is Guy and we're here to say that the MyMac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact... We restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... Sky, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows about OS X and iOS there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long taking themselves so seriously you'd think they were the ones making the product then you should listen to the mymac.com podcast at least three good chuckles per segment if my math is right that's about 10 laughs per show right because three times three is 10 sometimes i really wonder about you guy no need to wonder where to find the podcast just go to itunes and search for my mac subscribe and jump into the fun enjoy it ever copper Central Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.